You would take your Bibles and turn with me tonight to Psalm 37. Psalm 37, if you would please stand for the reading of God's Word if you're able to. Psalm 37, it's good to have the Dekus back in with us. Uh, they are missionaries to the Fiji Islands. And, and uh, I know Camry's already taken up with them. And every time I see her, she said, here's my friend. <clears throat> and uh, introducing to her friend, amen. And, but uh, we're glad to have them in and appreciate them and the work they got going there in Fiji. Be much in prayer for all of our missionaries. A lot of the missionaries are having trouble getting back into the countries that came back out on furlough. I know Brother Marco is still having trouble getting back into the Philippines. Different ones are struggling to be able to get back into the country. Some of them's needing to come out, and yet they're afraid to come out because they're afraid they, they won't let them back in. And so it's becoming increasingly more of a problem for different ones to be able to get in and out of other countries where uh, they're ministering at there. Psalm 37, if you would look with me at uh, verse 23, down verse 25, says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I've been young, and now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. As we look at this here in the, in the midst of chapter 37, the, if you begin to read through chapter 37, it's rich with a lot of, of things that will help our lives as Christians. Many times we go through and we look at certain things and we, we and I've preached from this portion of scripture that I read, I don't know, a multitude of times and uh, different, you, you'll use it and go in different directions how the Lord leads, but so many times there's, there's many things and, and actually chapter 37, I've got it marked all through here and highlighted and, and I don't know whether you mark in your Bible or highlight, I do, uh, because it, it helps bring things to my mind and attention uh, when, I'm, when I'm going through the scripture and reading. And uh, so I look back at verse 23. It says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. When you see that, uh, the, you see immediately that the Lord wants to direct your life. He wants to direct your steps in life. He wants to direct your life in such a way that you are a successful Christian, that you will, that you will prosper in him. Now, a lot of times when you start talking about being successful, a lot of people start thinking about, oh, money and houses and lands. And all that. That's not necessarily so, because you can be a successful Christian and never be rich as far as this world's concerned. You're rich towards the next world. Amen. And the fact is that God has some great and mighty things for your life and for my life that he wants us to experience here that we might know him in a greater and greater way each day. The Christian life should be a life that's on an upward path. Now that doesn't mean that there's not going to be valleys along the way. But what it does mean is that we should be trying to get closer and closer to the Lord and enjoying the things of God as we go through. That is the successful Christian life. Knowing the Lord in a greater way, living for Him in such a way that He is magnified and glorified through our lives. So there in Psalm 23, or Psalm 37, verse 23, it says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. I'd like to preach a message I've titled, A Recipe for Success in the Christian Life. 
Let's pray. Father, we come to you this evening realizing that this may be a little different the way we approach this. But God, I pray that you just give some insight and some thought to hearts and lives. Lord, every one of us need to reconsider some of these areas, Lord, and, and make sure that they are ingredients that are in our life as a Christian to live for you, to serve you, to bring honor and glory to your magnificent name. Have your will and way in the preaching of thy word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You be seated. There are a lot of recipes out there, especially on the internet now, and uh, I heard recently that uh, in the ladies' meeting that they was trying to find out who had the most recipes on their phone. You know, everybody carries a telephone anymore and, and, and so forth. And there's one lady in here that immediately popped up. She says, I have, what was it, over 200? I'm not going to say, Christy, what was it? 200 <laughs> or something like that on her phone and her recipes. Uh, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but, you know, have 200 recipes on your phone. Now, that is amazing. Amen. And, uh, but uh, there's a lot of recipes on the Internet. You can go through, searching through them. Some of them are probably really good. And to be honest with you, some of them are probably junk. Uh, that's just bottom line. Uh, what some people like, I probably wouldn't like. What I like, you may not like either. But there's all kinds of recipes out there trying to help you and trying to help uh, you know, it's amazing. We live in a day and time. I don't know what would happen if we got to a point where you couldn't use a microwave anymore. The kids coming up in this day and time don't know how to make biscuits. They have to go get one of them whoppings. You say, what's a whopping? It's one of them cans. You go whop and hit it and it pops open. You put the biscuits on the thing. You say, well, is there anything wrong with that? No, I use them too if, I, if I'm having to cook biscuits. Amen. Now, Janine makes them by scratch and sometimes she uses the others, but... Uh, mm, it's convenience, and we do that. But what if tomorrow, what if tomorrow you had to make everything by scratch? Some of the older ladies are going, oh, I don't want to go back that right. And the younger ones are saying, no microwave. What am I going to do? And so we have all these recipes and, and things that we can put together on the Internet. And like I said, a lot of them's good. And and a lot of them's not, but you know, the, the fact is, is that there's a lot of helps out there. There are a lot of how-to videos on YouTube. A lot of them are pretty good and, and very helpful. I, I've, I've used them several times to do something to my truck or our vehicle that we had that, uh, uh, for instance, uh, uh, taking out the airbag so I could get to the horn assembly and stuff because you don't really want that thing going off in your face. And uh, so a few things like that, and they're on, they're on the YouTube, and so they are helpful. You can go to the bookstore, to Amazon, and you can find tons of self-help books on how to change everything that's wrong in your life. Again, some are helpful and some of them are junk. But could I say that the greatest book to, on success as far as living for the Lord, there may be a ton of them out there, but the greatest book on success is the one that we hold in our hands tonight. It's called the Word of God. It's called the Bible. And what is needed today in Christians' lives, we, we see so many Christians struggling and, and battling, and, and, I, and I see it probably and deal with it more than, than what you see it because I, I learned to recognize some things, and then I'm talking to people and going through difficult times, and, and, I, see, and I see different things in their lives. And I think, well, I'll tell you what, what we need is a help-to book on how to live for the Lord. We got it. Amen. Yeah, that's right. We've got the help-to book. We've got the Word of God. We've got that which is needed. So I want us to do a short walk through uh, Psalms 37. He said, Preacher, we don't like it when you say short. 
It don't mean anything. You say, what does that mean? Absolutely nothing. It's just a word that we use for things, saying that we're going to get started here in a minute. But in Psalm 37, I want us to go through that on how to have success as a Christian. And just to be honest with you, I would, I would, I would, I would advise you maybe to underline some of these verses, go back and study them, and, uh, and, and pray about what God deals with your heart about and in these in these verses there's a lot of these verses that uh, sometimes we don't stop and consider but the Lord wants to guide your life into success let me get there first the Lord wants to guide your life into success and again the success is not that of what the world thinks success is too many times we think that success is owning a, a big house a fine car having lots of money in the bank and and no problems that is not God's version of success. You can, you can be poor. You can have no vehicle. You can not own a house and, 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 and still be a success for the Lord Jesus Christ. So many, in fact, Jesus himself, he says uh, to a man that came to him wanting to go with him, he said, the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. He says, foxes have dens and and he goes on, and the birds have their nest, and so on. And he said, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head and, and to sleep. This is the Son of God. He said, you don't measure things by what you have as far as the world's concerned. But we measure success, true success as a Christian, by our walk with God. And learning to know Him in a greater way. And so he says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Otherwise, he gives us direction for our, our steps. No greater guide could ever uh, possibly uh, be for man to, for living for joy, uh, joyful and successful Christian life. I find so many Christians today that seem to have no joy in their life. And the reason is, is because they're not living according to God's plan. God has a plan for every Christian to live. And that you might enjoy the Christian life, that you might uh, enjoy Him and so forth. And we'll go through some of that in, in here in a little bit. You see, the Lord's desire for each of us is to succeed in the life of success as a Christian for Him. For Him. That's what the Lord wants us to succeed in. Pleasing Him or instead of pleasing the flesh. But let me say, uh, He didn't create you to be miserable a lot of Christians think, well, well, I'm a Christian. I can't do this. And, and somebody said, well, you know, I can't cuss because I'm a Christian. I can't do this and I can't go there because I'm a Christian. My friend, I want you to know something. you got the wrong attitude. Look at what you got. Look at what you get. Look how the Lord's with you. Look how what he done for your soul that you could have eternal life. Amen. And today we need to realize that there's a great way of enjoying the things of God. In fact, as we seek to follow the Lord we, we fail and fall all the time, and yet He's there to catch us and keep us from ruin if our desire is to live for Him. There in verse 24, it says, Though He fall, He shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth Him with His hand. For the Lord upholdeth Him. Otherwise, as if you're trying to live for the Lord, you're going to fall. You're going to stumble. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how spiritual you think you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been saved. You're going to stumble. You're going to fall. Bottom line. 
But he said, listen, those who are trying to live for me, those who are trying to serve me, those who are trying to do what I've directed their lives, he said, I'm going to be there. And though you fall, he said, you'll not be utterly cast down. He said, because I'm going to catch you. I'm going to uphold you with my hand. We talked about today when we was preaching about uh, Peter, how that the Lord reached down and took him by the hand and raised him up out of, that, out of, that, uh, out of the Galilean sea there as he uh, began to fear and he began to sink in that sea. My friend, I want you to understand something tonight. That's what God's plan is for your life. He desires to reach down and, and catch you, take you by the hand, to keep you from utterly falling or to utterly going under that, 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 those floodwaters that you are, 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 are coming over your head. He wants to lift you up. And He desires a life for you that would bring honor and glory to His name, but one that is a success and one that will be a, a great blessing and encouragement to you. So consider these ingredients to the success of, of the Christian life that we're going to look at tonight. Number one, look at verse one. It says, fret not thyself. Fret not. Fret not. Number one, fret not. Isn't that amazing? In the very beginning of this chapter, he says, fret not. He says, quit your fretting. Quit your worrying. He says, fret not because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as a green herb. Fretting's worrying, and the Lord wants you to trust Him. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. Be not wise thine own eyes, but fear the Lord, and depart from evil. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5-7, through 7, He says, trust me. He said, don't fret about it. Notice what he's talking about fretting here. He says, fret not thyself because of evildoers. We're living in a day and time when there's a lot of wickedness going on, a lot of things that we know is absolutely wrong and absolutely against God. The wickedness is abounding, it seems like. But he said, don't get all upset. He said, don't fret. You know why? Because when you're fretting, you're saying that, you can't do nothing about it. Can I tell you something? You need to get that settled in your heart. You can't do nothing about it. Yeah. And realize that it's God's the one that's got to take care of it. Right. It's the Lord's hand that must do something. Yes, there's things that we must do, and there's things that we must, but must try to accomplish so that we can uh, uh, push away, the, the, push the wickedness back. We, one of them is, is that if Christians will seek the Lord. Now notice how the Lord wants us to approach the problem. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then will I hear from heaven, or turn from their wicked ways, and then will I hear from heaven and will heal their land. Hmm. That's different. Instead of fretting, instead of trying to do something yourself out here and change all that out there yourself, he says, why don't you come to me? Instead of fretting. He said, don't fret over the evildoers. And boy, I'll tell you what, we're, it seems in this day and time that we're seeing a, a, an enormous surge of those who are evil, those who are wicked, those who are attacking the church, those who are attacking the things of God, those who, who seem to be, uh, uh, everything's going right in their life, everything seems to be going good in their life. He says, don't be envious of them. Don't be envious of the, their popularity. Don't be envious of what they have. Don't be envious of it seems like with the, everything's going good for them. He goes on and he says, Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Their day's coming. He says, So don't fret. 
and don't worry about it. And don't be thou envious of fretting is worrying. And the Lord wants us, he says in, in, the, in Philippians 4, 6, he says, be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. He says, one of the problems that we have as Christians, we worry instead of trust. Yeah. Can I take you back to what we've been preaching on Sunday mornings? Walking by faith, not by sight. When you walk by sight, you're going to worry. When you walk by faith, you realize God's got this. The Lord's got this. My grandmother, my dad's mom, bless her heart, love, love Grandma Haggett. But she was one of those that worried about everything. If she didn't worry about, if she didn't have something to worry about, she worried because she didn't have anything to worry about. And everybody that had something, she knew of somebody that died from it. And so she was always worried about this. You call me, hey, how are you doing? Oh, well, you know, so and so and And she was worried. And I remember all those years as I got older, I, I used to pay attention to it, you know. You just a kid, you didn't pay attention. But when I got older and was married, I thought, well, Grandma worries a lot. You know what I find that worries more than my grandmother? Christians. And we have the God of the universe. We've got the Lord. And he says, fret not. But, but God, don't you see what? He says, fret not. He said, don't be worried about all those things. I need to move on. We've got several to cover here. He says, fret not. Secondly, trust in the Lord. Look at verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Otherwise, he said, if you'll trust me, he said, I'm going to take care of things in your life. Notice he says, and verily thou shalt be fed. He said, I'm going to meet your needs. So many times today we get in positions and we, well, how am I going, what are we going to do? How are we going to, you know, and what's going to happen here? And he said, trust in the Lord. So trust in the Lord. Too many Christians today are trusting in their pocketbook, trusting in a, in a, in a, in a plastic card that gets them in trouble. Too many Christians today are trusting in man instead of the Lord. Isn't it amazing that many Christians today, they go to man before they go to God? God says, I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me. And then if I want you to go to man, I will put man in your place and, and, and where you need to be. Or I will bring the man to you to take care of the need in your life. Over the years, it's been so, it's just been such a lesson and what a blessing to see God move when trusting Him. And have I always trusted Him first? No. But those times when I have and nobody knew what was going on and watched God step through the door for me by trusting Him. Not knowing what was going to take place next, but trusting Him. He said, trust the Lord. Listen, as a Christian... You know what this world, this world trusts man, this world trusts the government, this world trusts this, the world trusts that. Why should not Christians trust the one who created all? Right. Trust the Lord. He's told us to continually to trust him, to follow him, to allow him to have control in our lives. 
Allow Him to be in control of your decisions and trusting Him in your decisions and whatever He wants to do in your life. He says, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. He says, listen, if you'll trust me, He said, I will take care of all your needs. The Bible says, in fact, that, that uh, He'll supply all of our, our needs according to His riches and, in glory. He didn't say He's going to give you everything you want, but He said, listen, I can take care of everything you need. Oh, he could give you everything you wanted, but he knows it wouldn't be good for us. And so he said, trust me. Trust me. Many times I think that we think that we've got to take care of it. And many Christians today think, I've got to take care of this in my life. Do you realize that you have a heavenly father? He says, I want you to step back a minute. I want you just to trust me. So I'm trusting him. But number three. Delight in the Lord. Look at verse 4. He said, Delight thyself also of the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. You know, it's sad today that we live in a day and time when Christians aren't enjoying God. Well, they could you see it. They're saved, they're on their way to heaven. Nothing can take their salvation. They've got eternal life. God is there for them. He's a, he's a prayer-answering God. He knows what they need before they ever need it. And yet we don't enjoy God. He said, delight thyself in the Lord. What would church be like if when Christians walk through that door, sit down in those pews and say, Woo, man, God is good all the time. Amen. Amen. And I'll tell you what. He said, well, man, what's that? Man, God's good to me. And boy, God was so good this week. Let me share with you what he did, man. And, and boy, just begin to get excited. And boy, when the singing begins, man, they get up and blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Boy, sing out. Now, some of you, you ought to hold it down a little bit. You don't can't care a tune. <laughs> but the fact is, is that we ought to learn to delight in the Lord. Amen. Delight in, man, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven one day. And, and, and you know, if, if I drop dead right now while I'm preaching, hey, listen, don't cry over me. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in glory kicking up gold dust. You walk by that casket, don't look down. I said, don't look so natural. If you do, I'm going to rise up and spit in your face. <laughs> Boy, I tell you what, it's about time that Christians begin to enjoy. Well, we've got to go to church again. Oh, preacher. Well, preacher, you know, are you going to preach the whole chapter tonight? <laughs> you know what? We ought to come to get in, not get out. Amen. We ought to come to enjoy. Not just at church, but driving down the road. I tell you what, sometimes I have to clean off my windshield. I get to spitting on it because I get so happy. The fact is that we ought to enjoy the Lord, begin to enjoy the things of God and begin to realize that, hey, what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, delight in the things of God. 
delighting in what he, is, what he has blessed us with and the freedoms that we have here and even in the United States. Even, yeah, we're losing some freedom. Hey, listen, we still have the freedom to gather like this and, and take the Word of God and preach the Word of God and sing those songs and tell others about what Jesus Christ has done in our hearts. Delight in the things of God. Delight in this blessed book that He's given us, the written Word of God. Hey, listen, He not only uh, uh, saved us, but He gave us a, a book to to. to, to by and to follow him. Rejoice in the Lord. Praise him and worship him. Enjoy the things of God. Boy, when people walk by your life, they ought to say, man, I don't know what it is, but boy, they're happy all the time. They're rejoicing in something all the time. There ought to be some delight in people's hearts and lives about the things of God. You want success in your life? Learn to delight in the Lord. Learn to delight in him. You know, as a husband, I delight in my wife to be around her, to talk with her, to do things together. Oh, as a Christian, we should delight to be around the Lord and to enjoy the things of God, enjoying the Lord and His goodness. So often we take it for granted. and We fail to enjoy Him. We fail to enjoy the blessings of God. Every person in this room, if you know Jesus Christ, your Savior, if you know you're on your way to heaven, there ought to be a testimony on your heart. Oh, preacher, I just can't, I just can't speak out. You can speak out about what you want to. There ought to be something in your heart that says, man, I just, I just want to break on God. Always been good to me. There ought to be a, a testimony. There ought to be an enjoying of the Lord. Number four, commit to the Lord. Look at verse five. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him. And he shall bring it to pass. To commit is to, to, we're to commit to his desire for our lives. You know, when God created you, he didn't just all of a sudden, uh, I need something tall, something lanky for Roy and Galena. Ah, let's make a Wyatt. <laughs> now, you may, your sisters told you that. But God has a plan for him. He created him with a great plan to do something great with Dwight. Or Dwight. Dwight. <laughs> Did you know he had a different name? <laughs> with, with Wyatt. Great plan for him. You say, what is it, preacher? I have no idea. I don't know what God's going to do in, in Wyatt's life. And, and Wyatt don't know for certain what all God's going to do. He may have an inkling of some things that God's working in his life about and, and understanding. But here's what, where it comes down to. Wyatt, you need to commit yourself to the Lord. And what that is, is, Lord, it doesn't matter what I want in my life. It doesn't matter my desires. Lord, I want what you want for me. And so I'm going to commit myself to you and say, Lord, whatever it is, I'm going to be willing to do it. Amen. I'm a preacher. They might send me to Fiji. Well, good, you can help the day coos. They might send me to deepest, darkest Africa. And I hear there may still be some cannibals. Do you know what the safest place to be is wherever God wants you to be? Right. right in the middle of his will. But that will only take place as a Christian when we commit ourselves unto him. 
committing ourselves not just to where we're going and all of what we're doing, but other things in our lives. Committing, Lord, I'll be honest with you, you, you fellas, listen to me. You guys, <laughs> I'm going to put them on the spot. You want to get married one of these days? You want to get married one of these days? You want to get married one of these days? Please. <laughs> Do you want to get married one of these days? <laughs> I love that guy. <laughs> Well, yeah, okay. Does any of you girls want to get married one of these days? Raise your hand. Do you? We got some guys on the front row. <laughs> you can't have fun in church. Where can you have fun? Amen. But you know what? In that you ought to be committed to say, Lord, whoever you want me to marry. That's who I want. That's who I want. That's who I want. Committed to the Lord. Lord, whatever you want in my life, I commit my life to you, Lord. Take it, use it. It would be similar to taking the clay and putting it in the, the sculptor or the potter's hand and allowing that sculptor to make of it what he wants to make of it. And so you're committing yourself unto the Lord, trusting in Him, committing to His desire for your life, going in the direction that, that He leads your life, opening your will to His will and, and, and His leading. Could I put it in one word? Obey. Obey. You want Christian life that's successful? Obey. You want to see God's blessings? Obey. Number five, look at verse seven. Rest in the Lord. It says, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in the way, because of man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. But he said, Rest in the Lord. That resting in the Lord, to rest in the Lord is to trust him and his timing. And, and many times it means waiting for him to reveal his plan or to do the work that he wants in our lives. You see, but it's, it's also to find peace while you're there. It's kind of like this. It's like Rachel taking little Remy and holding little Remy and rocking her and holding her and loving her. And the next thing you know, Remy goes to sleep. Why? Because she's resting in her mom's arms. Her heart's at peace. And boy, everything just, just let everything go to mom. There's a great need in Christians' lives today. We're in such turmoil as Christians to learn to rest in the Lord, to trust Him, to rest in His hands, to allow Him to do a work in our lives and, and allow Him to do what He wants to do. He says that we're to rest in Him. He says, rest in the Lord. The psalmist said in Psalms 27, 14, says, Wait on the Lord and be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord, resting in him, waiting for him to do what he wants to do in your life. 
Many times we get in a hurry and we want the answers now. Many times we get in a hurry and, and we're not resting in the Lord because we're so, we're so tore up about things going on around us. He said, hey, listen, you know, one of the things, that, and, and Hunter and I was talking about this. He said, you know, what was, it's not been that many years ago, but what was it a little bit like? We talk sometimes about what it was like when I was younger. I said, you know what? A lot of people used to go to one of those house. And we'd sit around, we'd talk. Kids get out in the yard and play, do things. We'd, I remember as a kid, we'd get out in the yard and play, and mom and dad or, or whoever would be sitting on the porch, they'd just be talking. There might have been wars going on overseas. There might have been financial problems with mom and dad. But they were sitting down, resting, and at peace. What is needed today is for the Christian to learn to rest in the Lord, to trust Him, and to be. I, I fear that so many Christians today are wore out. Wore out. And if we go over, over in Daniel, he talks about how that Satan said that he would wear out the saints. And I feel like today what's happening in Christians' lives is that they're getting wore out. Just wore down, tired, defeated, feel like I don't know what to do. And they're missing one of the key things there in that recipe for success as a Christian. And that's learn to rest. Years ago, we used to haul hay when I was a kid and by hand, and you would take the square bales. And we didn't, we wasn't around anybody that had one of those conveyors. You could drop it on the conveyor and it'd put it up on the trailer. Or when you got back to the barn, it would shoot it up in the barn. Everything was by hand. And we would fall that, we'd grab those bales and we'd come over to the trailer and throw them up there. Sometimes the, the bales would be quite a ways off and you go get them and you carry them. And sometimes you grab up too because you didn't want to make as many steps. And then you take them and, and throw them. And then when it got real high, you was pitching them just as high as you could. It'd be hot out there. You'd be sweating. You'd be drinking water. You got hay stuck all over you and just itching like crazy and hot. And then finally, whoever we was hauling for said, okay, boys, it's time to take a break. We're going to eat some lunch. And we'd sit down. And you'd see him sitting over there. And, of course, we're thinking, yeah, he drove the tractor. We, he didn't have to throw that over. And we'd sit down and we'd eat. And as soon as we'd done eating, he didn't say, okay, let's go back out there. He said, we'd get, start getting up. He said, just sit down. Rest. Rest. You'd sit there and you begin to rest a little bit. And you begin to get your strength back. Pretty soon he said, okay, you guys ready? He said, sure. And we were. Because we'd rested. Rested in the Lord. Several years ago, I, before I moved up in this part of the country, I helped one summer in a, in a sawmill. My job had a guy that was tailing the saw, and then he was going to the sizer and running the boards through the sizer. And, 
and, and then he would flop them things out, and I was taking them out of the sizer and taking them here. At the same time, there might be a, 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 a railroad tie coming down this side, and you'd have to go down there and roll it down the roller like that, flip it off into the stack. By the time you got back over here, you had come back, and here was a slab. You took the slab, went right through here, stacked it on that side. You turned back around. Here comes another slab. You grabbed it, went out this side, stacked it here. You turned around like this here, grab back, come back in here, and you might be taking off uh, a tube of six or whatever out here, and you stack it out here, and then might be some flooring come off like this, and you're going back this way. And that was the constant way you was doing it all the time. Boy, at noon, you just lay down on that stack of road ties. Like, uh, uh. So aren't you going to eat? I don't know. You get some water back in you, get some food in you, and you sit there for a little while. I said, you ready to go? Yeah, I'm rested. And we go back to it, it'd be constant to about 3.30. And when at 3.30, we'd quit, and then we shoveled out all around the, the saw and everything, and you wore slick. You go home, you drink you some pickle juice. You think I'm crazy. You drink you some pickle juice. Otherwise, you're going to be tied up in a knot in the middle of the night. You lay down under a ceiling fan or in front of a fan for a while, and you rest, and you're ready to go. Some of you need to learn to rest in the Lord. Some of you need to realize the importance of resting in God's hands, taking your problems and difficulties and struggles to Him. To, to, to be successful, you've got to learn to rest in the Lord and to trust Him. We find here that He says... In, in, uh, in verse 8, look at verse 8 with me. He says, cease from anger. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. There's some and probably possibly some sitting in this room tonight that you hold a grudge. That you're still angry about something with somebody. That you're mad about what happened 250 years ago. Can I say something right here? And, and, and I don't care whether I'm politically correct or not. You want one of the problems with America is we got people mad about something that happened 200 years ago. Get over it. But as a Christian, why should we be angry? He says, he says that we're not, that to cease from anger and forsake wrath. One of the greatest ingredients in the Christian life is to put away anger and, and, and learning to forgive. Do you understand that, that the Lord forgave you and so you need to learn to forgive, forgive others? In Colossians 3.13 says, Forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. In the Christian life, there is no room to, to keep anger and hold on to anger and bitterness in our lives. Well, you know, we had this, we had that, and, and I, you know, I'll never forgive them. Shame on you. I'm going to tell you something. You'll never be successful as a Christian. As long as you harbor that anger and harbor that, 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 uh, that wrath against them. It's going to eat you like a cancer. You can put a smile on your face. You can even go by the person and say, how you doing? 
But if you still got that anger, if you still got that unforgiveness, if you still got that wrath in your heart and life, it's going to eat you up. And your Christian life is going to be miserable. And you're not going to enjoy the thing. Why not, preacher? Because Jesus Christ forgave you. And I guarantee you, you was more worthy of his wrath than what that person is worthy of your wrath. And so we've got to be cautious. And we've got to be careful. And learn to forgive. And, but preacher, you don't know. I don't have to know. God knows. And so we should put away that wrath. See from, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Number seven. Look at verse 21. Have a heart of mercy in giving. Verse 21 says, The wicked borroweth and payeth not again, but the righteous showeth mercy and giveth. You know, one of the things that I think that, again, it goes along with what we just talked about, about the anger and the forgiveness of God, is the mercy of God. Do you realize that His mercies are new every morning? Do you realize that if it was not for His mercies, every person in this room would be dead? Do you realize if it was not for His mercies, there's not a person in this room could be saved? And He wants us to take that part of His attribute and become a part of our life to have mercy on others. Well, he deserved it. I understand he deserved it, but show mercy. Amen. But, but show mercy. There's a price to pay. And he'll, uh, 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 he'll ultimately pay a price in that he will at least have to humble himself when he sees the mercy that is awarded unto him. And then he says, talks about Giving. As Christians, we need to be givers, not takers. Amen. Givers. Givers. Why? Preacher, why, 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 why a giver? Are you, just, are you talking about putting money in the plate? Well, that's commanded by God. I'm talking about beyond that. I'm talking about giving of yourself. I'm talking about giving of your love. I'm talking about giving of your life. I'm talking about giving of that which God has given you to give. Yeah, it may be money at times. It may be things at times. I remember one time, Brother Parker gave away Miss Parker's couch. He did what? Yeah. Did he ask her? No. He come home, he said, by the way, so-and-so's going to be here after a while. She said, oh, they are? She said, yeah. He said, I gave them your couch. <laughs> she said, why did you do that? She said, they didn't have one. <laughs> so Miss Parker's like, why didn't you give them the chair? I'll go buy all new furniture, amen? <laughs> I seen him give his car away. I'll never forget Brother Fate Shear. Old Nazarene preacher, Brother Dale. Love God. 
he was coming to church there at Victory, and we run a bus route, and we run like five buses. We was running somewhere around 300 people there in town of Piedmont of 2,300. One day I seen Brother Shear in the parking lot at that time. It's all paved and everything now, but at that time it was just rock. No rock from Gad's Hill that's sharp and everything that they use on the railroad tracks. And they was probably familiar with that, that old, old hard stuff. And I mean, it's sharp edges. And I happened to look outside, and here's this tall, lanky old man up in, up in his 80s. And I walked out, I said, I said, Brother Shear, are you okay? And I just happened to look down. He didn't have any shoes on. He said, I'm fine. I kind of hung on to him until he got in his car. And I drove a bus, and I turned around to go back to get on my bus, and I seen a boy standing over there, one of our bus kids, two size 13s in his hand. Black dress shoes. I looked down at his feet, and his feet was coming through. The tennis shoes on the sides wore out. No brother Shear caught him offside, took those shoes off, and gave to him. They was probably three sizes too big, but he gave them to him. Never said a word about it. We want to learn to be givers. Why, preacher? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. See, preacher, a lot of these things you keep bringing back, that's what God did. I think you're getting a picture. We're to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to be, he's forming us and working us into the image of his son. We're to be givers. Have mercy. The Bible tells us in Matthew 5, 7, it says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Be merciful. Learning to be a giver, not just a taker. Matthew 10, 4, 2 says, And whosoever shall, be a, shall give a drink unto one of the, these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. Number 8, look at verse 27. We're to depart from evil. He said, depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore. I'm just going to move through this fairly quick. I think you understand that about departing from evil and distancing yourself from evil and evildoers. Those who, those who are linked up with evil and, and wicked and they don't want to, to do what's right, I'm not saying that you never talk to them. I'm just saying that you distance yourself. Distance yourself. He says, depart from evil. Stay away from it. Why, preacher? Because it will drag you down. You guys, listen to me. You find you a young lady that loves God. You young ladies, you find you a young man that loves God. Because you know what, girls? They may look big and strong. And handsome. <laughs> Got all that wavy hair. 
You sit across the table from them after a while. They don't love God. The hair will probably fall out. That muscle drops. <laughs> and they're as ornery as a rattlesnake. And you'll raise your kids around it. And they'll fight you tooth and toenail in serving God. You say, well, preacher, I'm going to win them. I'm going to change that man. Can I tell you something? The only time the woman has ever changed, changed that man was when he was in the nursery and changed his diaper. You guys say, I'll change her. You ain't been married yet, I can tell you that. <clears throat> Bible says, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Don't get linked up. Depart from evil. Stay close to the Lord. Do good. Follow after Him. Do what is right. Seek to do good and refrain from that which is a poor testimony for the Lord. And the Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5, 22, it says, abstain from all appearance of evil. Replace evil with that which is good in the sight of the Lord. Number nine. He said, how long have we been here? Well, I'm just about done. We've got ten. We've got ten. Ten more? No, just ten. Be careful. And this is kind of a repeat, but yet it's so important. It says, wait on the Lord. Verse 34 says, wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. One of the hardest things to do in our lives as a Christian is to wait. Can I tell you something? You need to learn to wait on the Lord. Learn to wait on Him. The Lord teaches us a lot of things while we're waiting, if we'll pay attention to Him. Probably one of the... Brother, brother, brother Charles uh, is going to be teaching auto mechanics this year. He has a classroom. I've seen where they put his name up over the door. Got two doors there. Got, got his name over the door. I'll tell you what, Mr. Norman. Praise the Lord. I'm proud of him. I'm proud of him. Do you know what? There is a schoolroom for you and me. <laughs> I just barely made it through school as it was. I'm not going back. <clears throat> There's a schoolroom for every one of us. It's a room that's been named basically after the one that's in a hospital. What's that? A waiting room. A waiting room. One of the hardest things to do is when you have a loved one back in the back, in the ICU, you don't know what's going on, nobody's coming out and talking to you, and you're out there in what? The waiting room. The waiting room. There's a lot of praying goes on in that waiting room. There's a lot of promises go on in that waiting room. There's a lot of things happen in that waiting room. God has a waiting room for you and me to touch our hearts, to school us, to teach us, to draw us near to Him. He said, wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. In that waiting you're going to learn some lessons and you're going to learn some things that you can get in no other place. 
There's no other place you can get them other than the waiting room. Today we find people that they want to skip the waiting room. They don't want to wait on the Lord. They just go on and do their own thing. My friend, don't skip the waiting room. Wait on the Lord. You see, the Lord always has a reason and a purpose for us in the waiting room. And Isaiah 40 and verse 31 says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall, doesn't say might be, but said shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Last one, number 10. Choose your friends wisely. As a Christian, choose your friends wisely. Look at verse 37. We're about done. He says, Mark the perfect man, and behold the upright. For the end of that man is peace. Mark the perfect man. Behold the upright. For the end of that man is peace. Now when he's talking about the perfect man, he's not talking about somebody that has no faults. He's talking about someone that's mature in godliness in the Lord. He's talking about a godly man. He's talking about a godly person. He says, mark them. When the Bible talks about marking, it says take, it's talking about taking notice. Taking notice on them. Pay attention to them. He said, mark him. There's, there's some people in this room that you should take note of. You should mark because they have a godly countenance. They have a godly testimony. They have a godly life. They're saying, listen, pay attention. There's men and women in my life over the years that I have taken notice of, that I have, you might say, as the Bible says, mark them. And I have learned from their godly ways and learned uh, from their, how that they lived their lives and how they, they went through situations in their lives, how they trusted the Lord. And I watched them. Choose your friends wisely. Amen. Choose your friends wisely. Mark. Make the right friends. If you go back through these, and I'm not going to run through them all again. If you begin to apply these in, into your life, you're going to begin to see a successful Christian life, living for God, knowing Him, understanding the things of God, enjoying the things of God, enjoying the Lord Himself. I'm not saying you're going to have big bucks in your pocket and all kinds of things. I'm saying you're going to have something better something better. The recipe for a successful Christian life. Oh, I could have stood here and went through more, but this is just in chapter 37. That book's full of them for you and me. Let's bow. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for the richness of the Word of God and how that we should follow and seek after you. Lord, that we might be that success for your honor, for your glory. Not man's thinking of success, not man's ways, but a success that pleases you and brings honor and glory to your name. One day, Lord, this world will pass away. And then that which will last for eternity will be before us. And then really what matters is that success
for you. Have your will and way in this invitation. Lord, maybe there's somebody here that even though we didn't preach about salvation and how to be saved, I realize that the Holy Spirit is able to convict and draw and that they could come and we can take a Bible and show them how to be saved, that they too might enjoy the blessings of God. Lord, give them the courage and boldness to come. And Lord, I'll stand in the front and they can come to me. Lord, while every head's bowed and every eye's closed, that you might be glorified. Have your will and way in this invitation, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me with your heads bowed, your eyes closed?